We'll turn, if you would, to Titus chapter 3. Only three verses today. You guys know better than the hoop and holler if I say something like that, don't you? We're going to be looking at verses 9, 10, and 11. And, and really, this is, this is kind of a, a fun one to do uh, in, in some ways. If you remember, the Apostle Paul is writing to Pastor Titus. And, and he had sent Titus or left Titus in, in Crete so that Titus could appoint elders. And then the Apostle Paul gave him uh, really some qualifications for them. Uh, gave him some uh, really a job description for what the elders ought to be about doing. And then the Apostle Paul began to address some things, uh, some false teaching that was happening and going on, some things. He, he told Titus to, uh, um, to remind them. So that means that Paul probably told them this. And Titus was to remind them, we all need to be reminded stuff. I tell people all the time, I take all the help I can get. I would rather be reminded of something that I know 20 times than for you to assume that I know it and I forget. I may have just caused a lot of trouble for myself, right? Uh, you guys are going to remind me of stuff. The Apostle Paul, as he begins uh, now to wind down the chapter, the, the last part is just the, uh, the farewell. The Apostle Paul addresses what, what is the last issue that he wants Titus to know in this letter. And he begins in, in verse 9, and, and uh, as I read this, every single time I read this, I always can think of some specific conversations uh, that I have overheard or unfortunately maybe even had uh, in church life. Verse 9 says, But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division... After warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. Now, one thing about the Apostle Paul you got to love is he never, like, messes around. Um, I, I think he knew, you know, my, my time here is short. Uh, we're talking about that in Sunday school. Uh, maybe it was in his call, you know, when, when the Lord came to Ananias and said, Ananias, I there's this guy named Saul, and... And, and I'm going to tell you where to go and talk with him. And Ananias said, Lord, he is, he's caused a, a lot of uh, affliction to Christians. He's, he's a persecutor of the church. And God told Ananias, uh, I know, but I've called him. I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So, so maybe Ananias pointed that out to Paul. We don't know. The Apostle Paul, uh, at least it, it seems like he feels like his time is short just by the way he handles things. He doesn't mess around. Maybe he felt like he had a lot. To make up for. But when he gets into this part, there are two issues that he talks about, and, and it might sound a bit harsh, really, uh, the way the Apostle Paul presents them. We'll talk about why that's, why that's not exactly true. But two things that the Apostle Paul addresses with Titus, so that Titus can address um, with the churches in Crete. One is to ignore distractions. Now, that's not exactly the way he says it. The way he says it is, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Have you ever, have you ever found yourself, now, now I'll just, I'll admit to you right away, most of you probably already know, I can easily get into a quarrel or a, a what do you call it, a debate. I can easily do that. In fact, 
in eighth grade at the school that I went to, we had UIL competitions. I don't even know what that stands for. Something. Uh, but but it was we would go and compete, and I competed in debate. I, I love that. I think I got that from my dad. Uh, the difference between me and my dad, one of them is my dad was never wrong. He just wasn't. And, and I'll freely admit when I'm wrong, you just have to prove it to me first. <laughs> I'm getting better. God's working on me. But I can see how I could easily get involved in that. And, and, and have you ever done that? Have you ever like gotten in this really big, heated conversation, and then later you're like, that was a waste of time. I mean... You know, we, we, that, that was just, we argued over nothing. This is, this is high school. I was getting ready. I moved my senior year, getting ready to go to another school. And it was my best friend. And then we had a, a girl that the three of us kind of hung out with. And so we went to Putt-Putt. Now, Putt-Putt there also had the golf cart, not the golf carts. That would have been fun. Yeah, like you need golf carts at Putt-Putt. That's how I golf. That's what I'm saying. Um, Go-karts is the word that I'm trying to grab. Go-karts, so we had go-karts, and, and, and man, it was, we were just, I am so competitive, and so were they, and we were racing around the course, and boy, we were just going after it, and on the way home, we were talking about what a, what a fun time we had, and, and how great that was, and, and these were weird, it had this little thing right in the middle, and so you're, you had a pedal for each foot, which is counterintuitive if you're used to driving, and so like the one on the left was the brake and the one on the right was the gas. And, and you know, we're saying what fun it was. And I said, yeah, but boy, the pedals really messed me up. Um, you know, the brake was on the left and the gas was on the right. And he said, no, it wasn't. <laughs> he said, the gas was on the right and the brake was on the left. And I said, dude, you're crazy. The brake was on the left and the gas was on the right. And we are going at it. We are best friends. We're going at it. And, and Terry, the girl, is over there laughing her head off. And we're like, what's so funny? She goes, you guys are saying the same thing. <laughs> so we laughed and went on. I was still right. <laughs> what the Apostle Paul is saying is, look, there are going to be distractions. And he names a few. Foolish controversies. <laughs> These are, you know, things. So, you know, what was Jesus like as a little boy? And, and, and to get into a, a discussion or an argument over that, that's silly. We just don't know. Then he says genealogies, and that was probably trying to trace, you know, Jewish heritage, you know, which tribe of, of Judah were you from or which tribe of Israel were you from, and, and you know, to, to, to get all that and like it matters. I mean, the Messiah has come, so we know that like it's not you. Quarrels about the law, dissensions. Uh, one of the translations says dissensions and quarrels about the law. Kind of links them together. That they're 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 really getting in depth about you know hashing out the finer points of the law. Paul says, "Don't let those be distractions for you." You can get distracted by a lot of things, and he says here. He says, they are unprofitable. It doesn't gain you anything. Uh, this is funny. I'll pick on her. Um, I, I used to say that I wouldn't do that unless I got their permission, but I just do it anyways. Um, my, my oldest daughter, when we first came here, she was 10 and my youngest was 2. And they would be arguing. 
And so I would pull my oldest daughter aside and I'd say, honey, if you win an argument with a two-year-old, so what? I mean, what did you gain? That is the definition of unprofitable. I'm not sure you can win an argument with a two-year-old, but, you know, it's worthless. It has no benefit at all. Some, in fact, probably most of the things that we get distracted by have no benefit at all. Here's what distractions do. Distractions get us off of our mission. The thing that we're supposed to do. Now, some of you, are, we've got the hereafter ailment. So we walk into a room and we forgot what we're here after. Um, I, I do that more and more. I, I have to think, what, what was I doing? What was, and I'm easily distracted anyways. But it gets us off of our mission. This is our mission. Our mission is simply to make disciples. Now we flesh that out a little differently. Every church does in, in their context. But it's to make disciples. That's our mission. That's what we are supposed to be about. And, and it's easy. We can get distracted in a lot of things. Now, there are tools that we can use to help us accomplish our mission of making disciples. At some churches, a really cool thing, they'll have like this car repair shop. These are big churches, by the way. But car repair shop. And, and what they do is they'll take like the single moms or, or maybe some people in, in their, their community and, and even in their congregation who who just, they can't keep up with the general maintenance kind of stuff, you know. And so, you know, they go in and, and imagine what a blessing for a single mom with three or four kids and she's just trying to, to make a living and, and goes in and they give her car a tune-up and an oil change. That's a blessing. Um, and and I, I've never been involved in a ministry like that, but I'm sure it's like, my car's making this noise. <laughs> well, turn your radio up. No. That's not, that's not a bad thing. That's a tool. And, and there, there are hundreds of others. You, you guys have been in churches, and, and there may be really cool ministries that they have there. Those are tools. What we always need to do is remember what our mission is. Because some of those things could become distractions, and, and it all becomes about repairing cars. We forget that that's a tool to help us make disciples. Really, what we want in, in, in making disciples, we want them to believe. We want them to come to faith in Christ, don't we? Yeah, I mean, that's why we, we share the gospel. The gospel isn't only the beginning of salvation, it's all of it. But we, we share the gospel. We want them to believe. We want them to come to faith in Christ. That's part of making disciples. The other one is we want them to belong. We want to get them plugged into a church fellowship. We're called sheep. There's probably a lot of reasons for that in Scripture. Sheep aren't the brightest animals. Um, but that's not us. That's, uh, no, I'm kidding. But, but one of the things about sheep, and, and I'm, I'm a city boy, um, but I know from Scripture is that if you ever let one sheep get off on its own, it's not going to make it. So we want them to come to faith in Christ, but we also want to get them plugged into the body of Christ. But that's not all. Some churches, they, they, they stop there when, when making disciples. Okay, so, so we, they, 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 they believe and they're baptized and now we join them in the church and they're members and they're in the Sunday school class. But that's not the end. In fact, in a lot of ways, that's the beginning. 
We want them to become. We want them to be made into the image of Jesus Christ. We want them to become followers of Jesus. We want to see life change happen in them. All of that is in with making disciples. You remember what Jesus said, Matthew 28? He said, and, and therefore go, God's given me the all authority and power on heaven and earth, so therefore I'm telling you, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do all that I've commanded you. There's life change that happens in there. We want them to believe, we want them to belong, we want them to become. That's, that's part of our mission, to make disciples. And for us, particularly this year, we've even narrowed that down a little in a strategy. How are we going to do that? Our focus for, for this year, at least, is this. It's families. And, and so we want to strengthen families in our church. One of the things that I've seen over and over and over that just breaks my heart is parents who are struggling to raise their kids. And some of your kids are 30 and 40. <laughs> Listen, as long as you're alive and as long as they're alive, you're their parent and they're your child. I've told my kids that for a long time. That doesn't mean I'm going to go get my almost 25-year-old and tell her she has to eat her veggies. It changes the way we do that, but, but it breaks my heart to see parents struggle in raising their kids. And what I've realized is, as churches, we've not done a good job equipping parents Deuteronomy 6 is really clear. It's the parents' responsibility to raise up the children to follow the Lord. Spiritual authority is given to the parents for their children, not the church for the children. I don't know if you guys know that, if you realize that. We forget. We send them to school to learn about academic stuff, and we send them to church to learn about spiritual stuff. It's the parents' responsibility in both, always. We just haven't done a good job in equipping parents. We haven't got, done a good job in equipping men and women to be husband and wife according to Scripture. We, we haven't done a good job as churches to strengthen families. And our focus this year is to do that, to, to, to do that better. We want to strengthen. We, we know that Jesus told us to go and make disciples, to share the gospel. We want to do that. One of the ways that, that we're doing that is coming up next week. Go fish. Now, it's not a new technique in sharing the gospel. You don't have to memorize five scriptures. You know, you don't have to um, accost three people a week and say, if you were to die right now, in fact, that sounds pretty threatening in this day and age. Uh, but what, what this study does is, is to, to hopefully encourage us to stir up within us the need to be busy about being fishers of men. Strengthen families. The next one is to reach families in the community. We just kind of talked about that. Equipping to help do that. Do you know, uh, is, is church an area that we're in? And, and we live in a very conservative area, uh, a very churched area, that nine out of ten people in New Mexico, according to statistics, do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you know that? Anywhere in the world, that is a mission field. You don't have to go halfway around the world. You're living in it. Nine out of ten. That means if you're 
in line at Alsop's. And there are 10 people there. Statistically, you're the only Christian. Now, I hope up here it's skewed a little bit. But, but we, want, we want to reach families in this community. Doesn't mean we don't want to do missions too. We want to do that. That's reaching people somewhere else. But we're negligent if we don't reach people here. That's our mission. That's what he's called us to do. And then finally, we want to lead families to reach out in mission. I, I just, not like Africa, you don't want to take your two-year-old probably to Africa to do missions, but, but we can do missions around here. Jesus says, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world. We can start here. How cool would it be to have our families reaching out to other families in mission-oriented projects? in our community. So what that means is as a church, we just need to be about ignoring distractions. We need to, we need to be focused on what we're doing. Again, it might be because I'm just not as young as I used to be, but I don't think we have a whole lot of time anymore. I was talking to someone uh, earlier, and I said, gosh, that would make me 74. And I got to thinking, I don't know if anybody in my family's lived that long. I need to get busy and be healthy, but <laughs> we need to get busy. And that means we can't afford to be distracted. We just can't afford it. Not only did Paul tell Titus to ignore distractions, that's how you handle distractions. You ignore them. I was thinking through this a whole lot this week. Um, I don't know of any other way to handle a distraction except ignore it, because if you pay attention to it, you got distracted. Is that right? I don't know any other way to, to, he said, avoid them. You know, just avoid those kinds of things. You have to ignore distractions, otherwise you got distracted. I'm letting it, that's deep, I know, I'm letting it sink in. The second thing is this. You ignore distractions, but you address divisions. And, and I know it seemed like for a long, long, long time the Southern Baptist um, plan for planting churches was church splits. <laughs> that ought not happen. That shouldn't happen. Paul is, is pretty firm here. I wouldn't call it harsh, but he's pretty firm. It sounds maybe harsh. In verse uh, 10, chapter 3, he says, For a person who stirs up division... Now, he goes from talking just about conversations and quarrels and genealogies and stuff. Now we're talking about a person. For a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice have nothing more to do with him. And then Paul says why. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful and is self-condemned. Now I don't know about you, but just at first reading, that sounds kind of unloving, doesn't it? At least Paul, I think Paul was being way gracious for Paul to give you three chances. <laughs> you know, warn them once, warn them twice, and if they do it again, have nothing to do with them. We think, man, that doesn't sound very loving. I changed a little bit what he's talking about here. Warn them once, warn them twice, and then put them out of your fellowship is really the idea. Some of you are like, man, are they keeping track? <laughs> Paul did. Here's the thing. This is really similar to Matthew 18. Now, it's not the same, 
Matthew 18 is dealing with a personal offense. He said, if someone has sinned against you, go to him privately. So Matthew 18 is talking about a personal offense that you do. So that's, that's personal. This is church-wide. This the division is happening in the church. But it is still similar to Matthew 18. It does three things that Matthew 18 helps us to do. One, it gives a chance for repentance. I know that we live in a world where any kind of confrontation is not pleasant at all. But I was talking with, with our, our students just this last week. I want people who love me enough that are going to tell me when I'm messing up. I want them to love me enough to say, hey, what you're doing is wrong. I may already know. But the fact that I've got that accountability from someone else, it gives me a chance to repent. And guys, this is what God does for us all the time. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Uh, Eve ate from the, the fruit. She gave it to Adam. Their eyes were open. And, and they heard God coming in the cool of the day. And so they hid. You can do that. They're hiding from God. And God says, Adam, where are you? He gave him a chance to repent. He said, we were naked. We heard you come in in the garden. We were naked and we were ashamed. And he says, Adam, who told you you're naked? He gave him two chances. He said, that woman you gave me, <laughs> not the best response to God. Kind of your fault, God, because, you know, I was, I was doing fine on my own. Actually, God says not good for a man to be alone. We know that's true. He says, Eve, what have you done? Three chances he gave them to repent and confess. Matthew 18 gives us a chance to, con to, to repent. What Paul's talking about here is just like that. Warn him once, give him a chance to repent. Warn him twice, give him another chance to repent. But it does another thing that Matthew 18 does, is it, it really has as its goal restoration. We hear the word church discipline, and we're like, Ugh. It gives a chance for restoration. It gives a chance to fix it. To let God fix it for us, that we're restored, we're reconciled. Finally, as we, as we do what Paul says here in addressing divisions, is it has to be done in love. That's God's heart for us. That ought to be our heart for one another. We love because he first loved us. And, and we have to do it in love. Does anybody in here like being accosted? Anybody? Do you like that? Man, I don't. In fact, some people do. They don't even think about it. You know, you, you walk into a room and it's like, you know, they're, they're right there. And I, I, we tend to get defensive if that happens. We can't do this well if we're accusatory. Distractions, just, just forget those. Just, just put them aside. Avoid those. But let's don't get distracted by things. Let's be about the mission God has called us to be about making disciples. But divisions, we, we need to address those. And we need to do it well. You know, Matthew 18, that always comes up. That's why we think, oh, you know, Matthew 18. And in fact, there are people that if you mention Matthew 18 to, boy, they're already like out the door. You're going, what? no, no, no. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Just wanted to let you know, I don't like it when you say that. You know what I mean? Um, that, that's offensive or that hurts or you sinned against me. 
Let's fix this. You guys have probably heard my rants about dating. I don't, I don't like the whole dating thing. Um, whenever I say that to teenagers, they're like, how do you find your husband? I say, well, or wife, if it's a guy. Ask your parents. <laughs> but I forgot where I was going. I got distracted. We need to learn how to do this well. We need to learn how to do church discipline. I know nobody likes that word, but discipline is simply correction. The goal is restoration. Give them a chance to repent. And we do it in love. And listen, our churches are hurting because we just don't do that. We get, we get busy about the distractions. And, and instead of trying to help somebody out by saying, hey, you know what you're doing is wrong. The path you're heading down, I can tell you where it leads. We, we just let them go. Hope they figure it out. We need to address the division. <laughs> and not let um, discipline be a bad thing. Let it be a good thing. So let me ask you this as we close. Is there a distraction in your life that you just need to avoid? You know that can happen in your personal life too? I didn't make that up as an example just a moment ago. I really got distracted. Are there some things that are distracting you, some things that are occupying your time and, and your attention that's keeping you from following the Lord? We want to say deal with it, but no, if you deal with it, you're still distracted. Just ignore it. Put aside any, anything that would keep you from walking with the Lord. Maybe it's something God's called you to do and you got distracted. Maybe it was something long ago that God said, this is what I want for you. And somewhere along the way, you just kind of forgot. You just kind of looked over here and started going a different way. And maybe that's something this morning you just need to say, Lord, I, I just want to come back to that. I want to be obedient. Sometimes distraction may be a person for you. There's another reason I don't like dating, but... Maybe you just need to say, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to put that aside. Maybe it's a relationship you just need to avoid. Maybe, maybe it's a hobby. I don't have any hobbies, so I, it's fun talking about things that I know aren't going to apply to me. No. I'm kidding. And then, could I ask you to help with something here? Let's work on being a church that's unified together. And, and, and let's, let's handle things when they're little bitty. If you, if you find yourself complaining or grumbling or being divisive, just stop right then. Just confess and repent and just, just keep walking with the Lord. 
If someone else is doing it in love, in love, say, hey, we need to stop. We don't need to do that. Let, let's don't let that divide us. Because in all honesty, I believe God has some big things in store for us here. And if we're distracted or if we're divided, we're not going anywhere. Distractions take you off the mission. Divisiveness stops you in your tracks. It'll stop you right where you are. Guys, if you don't believe this, you ask your wife where she wants to go for lunch. I don't care where you want to go. Let's go eat Mexican food. I don't want Mexican food. We had that last week. Okay, where do you want to go? I don't care wherever you want to go. Well, go get some catfish. Oh, I don't like catfish. Well, then where do you want to go? I don't care wherever you want to go. I'm teasing him, but that one might hit a little too close to home. Guys, let me just help you out. You say, honey, you pick. It'll stop you in your tracks if you're divided, if you're not together. I remember when I was in construction, I'd ride with my best friend was the one that I worked with, and <clears throat> Fridays were taking care of little things, and I'm driving because he always liked to take notes and write over there as we're going. I said, okay, which job do you want to go to you wanna, first? Do you want to go to that job or that job? Oh, I don't know. Just start driving. We'll, we'll figure it out. So I'm driving. This is Dallas-Fort Worth, where it doesn't matter where you're going, right? So I'm driving, and I said, okay, the turn's coming up. You want to go to this job first or that job first? Oh, I don't care. No, he doesn't say I don't care. He says, I don't know. Keep driving. Dude, you're going to have to decide really quick. And if we're not together, we're not unified, it'll just stop us right where we are. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the body of Christ that you've put us in. I, th I thank you for this local church. And I pray, Lord, that, that you would help us to be so laser-focused on what you want us to do. God, that we'd easily see things that are distractions. Easily. Lord, help us to be clear. Help us to be concise in the mission that you've called us to. And God, help us to keep it at the front of our minds always. So we know exactly what it is that you've called us to do. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would not allow any divisiveness here. God, that you would make our hearts so sensitive that even if we are the ones who are being divisive, the Lord, you would just convict us and just stop us right there so we can confess it, we can repent, and then we just start walking with you again. God, I pray that you would so knit our hearts together in love and in unity, God, that we would be uh, an example of your love to the people around us. Not that we never disagree, but Lord, that what we do when we disagree is an example of unity in the body of Christ. Not that we all have the same ideas, but Lord, as we, as we work through those ideas that we come together and, and head in, in one direction, is an example of what it means to follow you. And God, I pray that if there's somebody here today that, Lord, maybe in their personal life, they've just gotten distracted. 
They've forgotten what it is that they're to be about doing. I pray that you'd help them to just, just avoid those distractions. God, I pray that you'd help us to walk with you more. Holy Spirit, draw us to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So my challenge to you is really simple. Put aside distractions. Maybe, maybe in your life, maybe there's something that, that this morning God just kind of touched your heart and he says, yeah, you know that? That thing, you just need to put it aside. That thing, you just need to ignore it. You need to, to avoid it. If that's the case, I, I, just, I just ask surrender that to the Lord this morning. Maybe there's something else as we talked about you, you following him and you said, you know, I don't know if that's a distraction or not, but I know it's keeping me from following him. Maybe this morning that's just something you just need to, to surrender to him. For all of us, I would challenge you to pray and protect the unity of this body of Christ. That, that whatever comes in the days ahead, that we can disagree but not be disagreeable. That, that, that we, can, we can sit down if we've got three people and eight different opinions, that we can sit down and, and we can work toward a unified direction. Because I can guarantee you this, any time we as a church move forward with the Lord, there are going to be attacks. You'll find it in your personal lives. We'll find it here at the church. And we just need to, to decide ahead of time. We're not going to be distracted. We're not going to be divided. But together, we're going to follow what God wants us to do. You respond as we stand together and sing.